Tango Tango Papa 2136, February 5th, 2024. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion, the product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you coming to you this evening from Macon, Missouri. (laughs) I had to think there for a minute. So uh, it's been a little over a month since I uh, recorded the last podcast. And obviously the last podcast was kind of short. So, I don't know. I've been kind of meaning to record a podcast, but I just, uh, I don't know. I have to be honest. I haven't really kind of felt motivated to do it. And uh, also, I've been uh, keeping uh, pretty busy with work. So, uh, in any case, I... the. load that I have right now I'm I'm actually kind of in between loads I delivered uh, this afternoon in uh, Chillicothe Missouri which is about I don't know around 60 miles from here the next load picks up at Quincy Illinois tomorrow afternoon I think at 4 p.m. and uh, that's that's about 90 miles from here so I stopped, there's this Love's truck stop near Macon, Missouri, and so that's where I decided to stop at. So, uh, you know, I'm just kind of hanging out here and then uh, leave here sometime in the morning. I have to stop and get the trailer washed out, uh, and then I'll go on over to the place where I'm picking load up and... Uh, so I don't know exactly yet. I haven't decided yet exactly what time I'll be leaving here. But uh, in any case, uh, you know, uh, things have kind of been going along about the, you know, about the same. Nothing uh, really new. I did... uh, (laughs) Is you know, no surprise, I did spring for the new uh, Galaxy S24 Ultra. Uh, Samsung offered $750 trade-in on the S23 Ultra. And so I went ahead and, uh, you know, went ahead and uh, made the upgrade directly again directly from Samsung just like with the S23 Ultra now the S24 Ultra is uh, very similar to the S23 Uh, it's if you just kind of look at the devices there's not a whole lot of difference between the two the 24 uh, has is it's got a slightly different feel to it 
you know, it's a completely flat screen as opposed to the S23 had uh, kind of curved edges. And so now Samsung's kind of completely backed away from the curved edges. <clears throat> and uh, so it, this, uh, the S24 is uh, completely flat, which makes it better actually uh, to use with the S Pen. You know, if you're trying to capture uh, part of the screen, especially, you know, using the S Pen. So, because the, the curved edges made that kind of a little bit more difficult if you're trying to get the, you know, be precise with the S Pen. Uh, out at the edge of the screen where the curve was whereas the this one is completely flat and it's uh, probably more of a has a feel more of a like one of the earlier uh, Galaxy Note phones so but this this phone all it has a really similar camera to the S23 it's got a 30% uh, faster processor and uh, you know and a lot of people are claiming that uh, it's got even better battery life than the S23 had which uh, you know I don't know it's, it, it's the way I use the phone that's probably about the same but uh, so I figured, you know, I've, I, you know, I can afford it. I'm still working. Uh, why not uh, just get the new phone and uh, send the old one out with the old in with the new? So, um, and then the the S24 Ultra also has, uh, you know, some artificial intelligence stuff built into it. One of the th and it actually has the, uh, well, now I don't remember the name of it, but it's actually got a, like a compact large language model built into the phone. You know, and, you know, so they've added that in there, and so it, the uh, S24 can you know, has a you know some tricks up its sleeve. For example, you can uh, like if you're using the the Samsung Notes, you know, you can t tap on the the icon they have for the uh, artificial intelligence, and it'll actually summarize. If you you know, it'll kind of summarize your notes for you, which is kind of interesting. And that's th that. I don't know. If, some of the features are uh, require a you know a data connection to the server, and then I, I think that particular feature does not require. It's not using a data connection. It's just using the language model that is uh, now part of the operating system. So let me look this up. LLM. S24 Ultra. Okay, well, I don't know if they have the name of that or not. Gemini. So it's using uh, Google's uh, Gemini. Whoops. 
So it's using Google's Gemini, and that, that uh, from what I understand, that's actually included right on the phone, which is pretty interesting. So then <clears throat> another one of the, the AI features that's built into the, and I think it requires a data connection, is the uh, with the photos. So you can just have one of your photos, and it'll you, you can tap on the... Uh, you know, the icon for the AI, which is, you know, and what that will do is it'll offer, you know, like instant, uh, oh, like, uh, you know, it'll offer, you know, it'll, it'll analyze the photo quickly and then decide, you know, it'll offer to, uh, you can kind of instantly, you know, maybe change the color and do this and do that. It's sort of instant photo enhancement. And uh, I think you can also zoom in on images and, and, and uh, let's say you zoom in and you crop an image, you know, and it's a little bit blurry, the part that you cropped in, the uh, AI can actually uh, do a fairly creditable job of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, sharpening that. Another thing you can do is uh, with your photos is sort of if you've got an object in a photo, you just long press on it and highlight that, and then you can kind of move the object around, and then the the AI portion will uh, kind of fill in the blank area that was left, you know. And, and that most of the time that seems to work pretty good. It's it does a a pretty creditable job of. Uh, you know, kind of, fo you know, like rudimentary Photoshop type things. So, but uh, in any case, you know, that's not really the reason I bought it. I just bought it because it's the newer version. It's got a faster processor. And uh, why not? <laughs> so, anyway, I, uh, like I say, I've just, you know, things kind of been going along about the same. I've been, you know, uh, did go home uh, towards the end of January and took my five days off again. I did have a uh, tooth problem that sort of cropped up. Uh, I don't know, it was about mid-January, somewhere around mid-January I ended up with a I don't know. It, it, it had to be an abscess, and it was uh, about a year ago or so. I had the same problem. Uh, you know, I kind of developed an abscess, and then I ended up in. I think it was in February. I ended up getting a uh, of last year. I ended up getting a root canal. So this was in the same area. So I couldn't really. Uh, I don't know if it was the root canal tooth or it was probably the tooth that's behind it. It's a rear molar on my left side. So I was able to, uh, it was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was able to contact my dentist. So he sent a uh, prescription for penicillin to, the, to a Walmart store. So I figured, you know, we have a, a, a small, you know, kind of a company terminal in Phoenix. So I was able to go to the company terminal and then get the, 
they have a, a car for drivers, and so I, I was able to take the take the car and go to that Walmart store, which is a few miles from the terminal, and uh, finally, you know, got the prescription and uh, got back, and then so I was able to, you know, take that prescription. You know, it's like take one of the tablets every every uh, what was it every six hours. So basically four tablets a day and uh, until they were gone. So that, that finished out uh, a few days before I got home. And then I was got, you know, had a dental appointment with my dentist. And he looked at it. They took x-ray. They took an x-ray and uh, couldn't, you know, it was kind of indeterminate. It looked like it might have been the back tooth that was causing the problem. Because at that point the abscess was gone, but uh, so he said, "Let's just wait and see if it comes back." And so in the meantime, he wrote me another prescription for more penicillin, which I went ahead. I went ahead and filled that just in case, because he said, "Yeah, it's probably going to end up coming back." So my hope is that if it, you know, if and when it does come back, uh, I'll be able to get an appointment with the dentist again and then we can kind of figure out uh, if it is indeed that back lower molar uh, then he, you know the, the solution is just going to be to pull it because it doesn't have a, an opposing tooth on the top you know the, the one on the top was already pulled so that tooth is just kind of hanging out back there uh, you know really doing nothing so, because I'm not not really chewing with it because there's no opposing tooth on the top. So the solution, if that's the if that is the tooth that's causing the problem, then the solution is just to pull it. So, uh, but so we'll, in the meantime, everything's gone back to being fine. Uh, so we'll just have, I'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. So. Uh, now we did have a kind of a, or I guess it was in it was in January. We had a kind of a cold snap that really happened over most parts of the country, and uh, so fortunately the heat pump, uh, you know, because I I was gone actually. Uh, I'd left when I was gone. You know, I was back at work whenever the cold snap happened. But fortunately, the heat pump was able to you know to kind of uh, well you know the heat pump part kicks out once the temperature gets uh, you know down in uh, I don't know somewhere down in the 20s the the heat pump just the outside unit uh, I've got that set so that it just stops working then it relies on the heat strips and so fortunately the heat strips uh, were able to keep up with the temperature you know so they you know and I kept a very close watch on it because I have you know the Nest thermostat so I was able to keep a close keep close tabs on it and uh, the uh, it was running you know it was coming on and going off uh, I had it set on 61 degrees and so it was able to maintain the temperature, no problem. There was, a, you know, there were, a, I think, a couple of times it got, 
you know, the temperature got actually, you know, that was actually below zero. So it kept up with it, and uh, so there was no problems. I could have had, you know, I, what I was afraid of was that uh, it would end up throwing one of the breakers. You know, if it if the if those heating strips stayed on too long, I've got a breaker that might be a little bit weak. And so I need to kind of figure out which breaker that is, and, and see if I can, you know, get that breaker replaced but uh, so fortunately it it kept up with it uh, you know so eventually you know I still have a credit with the uh, you know the kilowatt hour credit because of the solar panels I still have a kilowatt hour credit with my uh, electric company and uh, but I'm now, since I got the heat pump, I'm eating into those uh, credits. So the credits are kind of on the way down. And, you know, so eventually I, I expect, you know, I, those, those kilowatt hour credits are going to be used up. And at that point, the solar panels are simply going to be mitigating my electric bill. I think that's especially going to be true once I'm, let's say I'm retired and I'm home all the time, uh, you know, maintaining either heat or, or air conditioning. Uh, you know, that's one area where my electric bill can go up, uh, you know, you know, so that's <laughs> something to kind of pay attention to, I guess. But, uh, in the meantime, I still have, uh, I still have credits and you know so I've you know it's sort of I guess it kind of depends on when I retire you know as to when the credits uh, when I use them all up but I've you know I've still got a ways to go yet but uh, just have to wait and see now as far as retiring I don't know what to do you know because I could I've figured out I can live on the uh, Social Security. I did go ahead and sign up for Medicare and uh, you know that hasn't I and I had to I ended up having to provide uh, you know a form that was filled out my you know by the comp my company's benefits department you know, stating, you know, because I had to prove basically that I had uh, health insurance uh, uh, going back to 2020. Well, of course, I have, you know, the health insurance. I've had continuous health insurance uh, with this company since uh, 2000, whenever I went to work for them, 2004, 2005. So they filled the form out and, and you know, it was a PDF, and so I printed it out, and I uh, took that to the Social Security, and, you know, they had a drop box, and uh, so I dr dropped that in there to the attention of the, the person that had called me from the social, local Social Security office, telling me that I needed more proof, you know, of continuous health care coverage, and so... You know, I'm waiting to, you know, either hear back from that person or they'll, pro you know, unless, you know, they won't, probably won't call me unless they have, you know, need something else. But in the meantime, they should, uh, 
you know, I'll find out, uh, you know, whenever the, you know, once that's in effect, I'll find out uh, by the deposit of the Social Security. I have the Social Security, uh, you know, that's deposited to my bank account, and uh, so I can find out I'll know, you know, if they're taking the premium out, I can, I'll, that'll, I'll be easily, should be easily able to tell that if they're, if they're taking the deposit or, you know, taking the uh, premium for the health, for the Medicare, if they're taking that, once they start taking that out from the uh, Social Security deposit. So, but in the meantime, I don't know what to do, even though I could live on the Social Security, you know, and I got, you know, I'm basically, I've got everything paid for, uh, you know, and the debt, you know, I, I do charge everything to a SAMS card, you know, to a credit card, it's a SAMS card, I, I charge everything to my credit card, and then I just pay that off at the end of the month, and that ends up mostly being, uh, you know, eating out in restaurants all the time. And so that, once I retire, let's say I retire, and I'm eating most of my meals at home, uh, my food bill is going to go down drastically. Uh, you know, I f figure that I can uh, cut my food bill, you know, down to one-third or let's say at worst one-half but it's not even that much, probably a, a quarter to a third of what it's costing me to eat out just twice a day in restaurants. Uh, I can really cut that down. So a lot of the, you know, the, you know, I'm working and I'm making a pretty good income, but uh, a substantial portion of that is, uh, you know, my income from driving the truck is uh, going to eat just for restaurant food. So, but I still don't know what to do. Should I, you know, is the world going to blow up? <laughs> you know, is the economy going to collapse? Uh, you know, what's going to end up happening? Uh, you know, the government's, you know, just spending money like a uh, madman. You know, it, would it be such a great idea to just quit and just, oh, I'm going to live on the Social Security that they're, you know, that they're borrowing money, they're, you know, to supposedly they've got money in a an account or whatever, but we all know that they've probably, you know, that they've long since spent the money in a Social Security account, you know, and it's, they're just playing hocus pocus with the, with the numbers. So I really, I don't know that, you know, can I rely on the government? You know, if the government's, if, you know, the, is crazy and about to collapse, is that a good idea to just think, well, oh, I'm going to just quit and rely on that, especially if I don't have to. Now, if I'm forced to, that's a bit of a different story, but uh, so I don't know. In the meantime, I'm just continuing to work and then on the other hand I could probably continue to work forever or work until I can't which I don't know if you know if that would be wise 
to work until I can't work anymore. You know, the the problem is that there's always going to be some problem that's looming in the future as far as the government goes. You know, so how how dependable is the government? Or how how dependable are the government payments? Uh, can't you know who knows? They seem really uh, adept at uh, kind of kicking the can down the road, so that things never seem to really come to a head. But uh, you know how how long can that go on? <laughs> How long can they keep doing that? I don't know. So, in the meantime, I don't know. I'm just uh, continuing to work. You know, now if I could, if I could come up with some sort of a part-time job or something that would seem pretty reliable, then uh, I might, you know, I might make the transition. But uh, in the meantime. You know, it would be stupid of me to, you know, kind of give this job up and only to kind of turn around and uh, get another job that would be the same thing, you know, driving a truck over the road. Or let's say if it was a local kind of a job driving, you know, like full time. Local driving jobs are notorious for not paying very well and then they're junky junky vehicles and uh, long hours so you know do I really need that no so I don't I, I don't know I, I think ideally if I could find some sort of a part-time job you know you know it'd probably have to be driving some sort of a part-time job where I could just make some money and uh, you know some some kind of income and then uh, you know I could probably you know pretty much easily live on that because I you know I can live easily live on the Social Security and not really make a giant change to my lifestyle other than cut most of the eating out uh, off because that's that is my biggest expense is just constantly uh, day in and day out eating out in restaurants and if you know that ends up you know that you know easily kind of being fifty bucks a day or more you know it, it goes up and down it just depends but uh, you know that that that's kind of expensive so you know. So I don't know that it's really worth it to, you know, to to put in the time that I do and all, you know, kind of the hassle. So, <clears throat> so well, let's see what else. Uh, so uh, I guess also I did get uh, a bed cover for my pickup. Uh, so I, you know, and there's all kinds of different bed covers that are available. So I found one that I don't remember the name of it exactly. I'd have to look it up, but it's uh, sort of a rolling cover. But it's when it's rolled out, it's uh, flat, you know, and kind of flush. 
and it's sort of you know locked in place especially with the tailgate closed it's kind of locked in place and so you could you know and none of the bed covers are waterproof but they can be fairly water resistant and uh so if I need to haul anything, the the advantage of the bed cover that I got is that uh, you know it'll just roll completely up forward uh, against the back of the cab, and uh, you know, and it it pretty much exposes the entire bed. If I needed to haul something that's taller than the bed cover, uh, but otherwise, with the thing just rolled out flat. Uh, you know, then I can just open the tailgate and put whatever I need to haul in there and then close the tailgate and uh, nothing's going to blow. I don't have to worry about things blowing out or whatever. You know, and so, but I did get that and, uh, you know, and then the other advantage of it is is that it's uh, pretty solid. It's So it's not one of the ones that kind of, you know, the vinyl ones, uh, sort of uh, age, you know, the sun kind of bakes them and they age over time. And the, so the one that I got is, uh, you know, it's uh, not exactly sure what kind of, is probably some sort of, uh, it's a very durable material. So it, but with the, supposedly with the thing flat, it'll hold, if you distribute the weight, you can actually put like, I don't know, either three or 600 pounds on top of it and it'll hold it so you know which I don't you know I won't be doing that but uh, it is uh, fairly it's pretty rigid when it's rolled out so I got that and then another thing that I got was a uh, that you know and I got it directly from uh, the Ram dealer uh, was a bed step and so they, you know, I, when I was home this last time, I made a, I had an appointment for them to install that at the Ram dealer where I bought the pickup at. And, you know, so that, that makes it easy to kind of climb up in the bed if I need to. Because that's, I don't know, it's uh, kind of hard on the knees, you know, climbing up in a, if you don't have some sort of a step and so this makes it really easy you just lower the tail you know put the tailgate down and then uh, flip this thing down and you can just climb right up in the bed and uh, you know with no problem because you know and then you know if you're not using it you just kick it up and it goes in the up position and it's out of the way so anyway I've got a couple of uh, well, actually, I've got a couple of files from Joel that he sent, I don't know, a week or a couple of weeks ago, probably. And then Jeremy, I've got three files from Jeremy uh, that he sent more just a few days ago. So I want to play those. Before I do that, uh, I was, you know, one of the things I've, you know, I'm always thinking about awareness and consciousness. You know, that's, uh, I don't know, I find that to be a kind of a, a never-ending topic as far as uh, the thing that, you know, one of the things that really fascinates me. You know, and I don't know. I, so I realized, 
you know, the, the perp, what's the purpose of human existence? You know, why, you know, what's the purpose of that? And I, and the, so I think, you know, it's pretty clear to me the purpose of human, human existence is exploring consciousness. And that really requires, if you think about it, that really requires a physical existence, some sort of physical existence. So that's, you know, you people wonder, well, why do I eat and why do I sleep and why do I go to the toilet and why do I, you know, if you've got kids, why do I reproduce? You know, and so they, they always love to say, well, you know, like with, uh, you look up, you know, and I, I remember reading some, you know, some book somewhere and they were talking about uh, different sp species and it's pretty much every species, you know, whoever had written this, uh, you know, they, you know, you had all these details about, you know, the, how they reproduced and what they did. And when in the purpose of their existence, and so this whoever had written this, the purpose he had a purpose for existence for every different species. This might have been an encyclopedia, I don't remember anymore, but because uh, it's been a long time ago. But the purpose, the whoever wrote this, the purpose uh, for let's say a bee, for example, is to reproduce, or the purpose for you know any species was just to reproduce. And so that's what, you know, human beings may think, oh, that's, that's our purpose, is to just reproduce. And that's not really the primary purpose. You know, even though the Bible, in the Bible it says, you know, be, full, be, be fruitful and multiply, but uh, yeah, you should, really. But, especially since we're finite, we have kind of a finite existence. You know, we come into existence and we go out of existence as individuals. But what is the purpose? Is the purpose just to, you know, eat and, be, you know, be, you know, find pleasure? Now, I don't think that's really the purpose. The purpose is to be conscious. You know, and that that kind of uh, ends up. Uh, you know, there there are many different aspects to that. You know, and yeah, we can we can pleasure ourselves. There's not, you know, there's nothing really wrong with pleasure. Unless that becomes, you know, kind of the means, you know, the end in itself. But the purpose is to, you know, kind of be conscious and, you know, so we have to struggle. You know, and if we, we uh, struggle in the wrong way, we, we suffer. And I really believe that most of our suffering... I'm not saying all of it, but I'm, uh, you know, I think a good portion of our suffering, we bring it on ourselves because we resent. We screw up by, you know, we're trying to play God in our own minds.
That's our problem. As conscious creatures. Because we have this proclivity to want to be God, to play God. And we're not. That's really why we end up suffering to a large extent. Now, I'm not saying that all suffering kind of relates to resentment, but I'd say a good chunk of it does. And and if you're suffering, you know, and then you resent the suffering, do you think that's going to make it better? Of course not. It's going to make it much worse. And what's the, why would you, you know, what's the point of suffering? And the point of, the point of it is, you know, it should, if you respond to suffering in the right way, which is probably a better way of saying it, it's going to make you really dig in and think. You know, and really ask the questions. You know, ask important questions. Ask the profound questions. Why am I here? Why do I exist? The answer, you know, that kind of thing actually, you know, gives you meaning. You know, you can find meaning in that, in the in sort of the pursuit of those uh, types of questions. And of course, then on the other hand, you've got uh, forces that come through other people that try to uh, stop you from. You know, the people that are, that are separated from conscience, that hate their conscience, uh, they'll try to deprive as many people as possible from finding, having, and keeping, uh, and leading others, and, uh, you know, keeping, keeping you from finding uh, genuine meaning. So, they, you know, misery loves company. You know, so people, you know, if someone's really separated from their conscience, and see, and that's the thing. Conscience is the thing that we are, as human, as conscious creatures, having a physical existence. Our conscience is the thing that we are most intimate with. That's the thing that we interact with, with, the mo- with, with uh, you know, for the most, you know, with... I'm not saying it properly. That's the thing, their conscience, is the one thing that we interact with the most.
that's the thing that we should be friends with. It's not some guilty thing that uh, is there to torture you. To, to, you know, it's not there to make you suffer. If you you can actually become friends with it, then it alleviates suffering. You don't suffer. I'm not saying that that suddenly makes you perfect and it doesn't uh, eliminate all your problems. Most problems will actually solve themselves. You could just, you know, remain calm. Most problems will solve themselves. People get into trouble by really, you know, resenting, trying to play God in their own minds. Creates all kinds of havoc. You try to run away from that, you know, you end up with this guilty conscience. The worst thing you can do is resent your conscience. Your conscience is there to help you. The worst thing you can do is to resent it. Try to drive and try to drive a wedge between yourself and your conscience, and then you try to find other people that'll that'll uh, you know uh, that will people, places, and things that'll try to uh, kind of help you keep, you know, maintain that distance or, or increase the distance between yourself and your conscience. Forget your conscience. You know, and it, you know, can take the form of anything, you know, alcohol, uh, food is a big one, etc., etc., etc. People take their emotions, and you know we everyone has nor we all have a base level of emotions. Emotions are really necessary. You know they're a necessary element of consciousness. They're absolutely necessary element. But the problem is that uh, human beings end up kind of amplifying them, turning them into th- something that should never be. And that creates all kind of problems. People end up with all sorts of health problems. And a lot of it goes back to just an unhealthy uh, relationship with emotions. Now, I'm not saying that all diseases are, uh, as a re- you know, as a result of emotions. But do you think being emotional helps? No, it doesn't. It just makes it worse. So, 
But the point is, we're here to have a relationship with our conscience. That's part of consciousness. And that's where, you know, the right relationship with conscience, that's where meaning is to be found. And like I say, you know, you have people that will try to pull you away from that. And, uh, but it's up to you, you know, and that's as it should be, because if it was easy, would it be, would it, if there was no evil, then, you know, how, could there be any claim to, to good? Could there be any claim to virtue? No, there couldn't. You know, and then another element of that, if you've got the wrong set of values, you know, kind of by definition, you end up you're you end up being psychotic. You have kind of a break with reality. If you've got the wrong set of values, you've got a break with reality. You know, and you'll find, maybe you find other people that'll help you maintain that break. Help you live in your dream world. And of course that results in all the, you just look around us and you see all the ills that can come from that. So if you can really become friends with your conscience, you can find, your conscience will help you find the right set of values. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and start. Ooh, we've got 46 minutes. Wow. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, uh, start playing Joel's file. So here is Joel. Hey, Tom, it's Joel McLaughlin here. Um, I actually just got back from uh, um, church. My my church does this uh, fitness boot camp group, which has been keeping me motivated uh, to do exercise. But I'm not doing just exercise. I'm also making changes in my diet, and I'm not going like like you do ultra low carb. But I am doing things like like watching my portion sizes most of the time. Uh, you know, I give myself at least one day where I kind of go a little bit overboard. Um, it's usually sun Saturdays, I should say. But um, in the last ninety days, I've lost nearly twenty pounds, and I'm uh, probably about forty down from my heaviest. So I can eat carbs at least with what i'm doing probably shouldn't eat as many as i do because uh, i i do have a 
like the very well i guess in modern terms i'm probably pre-diabetic but i'm taking one dose of of uh metformin a, a day that's it just one pill um but <clears throat> i'm feeling better and i'm 52 now I'm gonna be 53 here in april and uh i want to keep on going i've been kind of doing this since i started kind of going steadily to the gym um every uh every day i can i try to do five days a week and i belong to plant fitness that's probably one that if you wanted a place where you can at least go and and at least walk on the treadmill or do something cardio when the weather's like horrible like it is out here now um it's like a little bit over 20 a month and uh, not to mention the fact that uh, they have showers so um <laughs> if, you, if you're not near a truck stop and you, you want to take a shower you can do that so um just a suggestion for you you know, you know i know i know you, you probably don't want to do that but i i thought i'd just tell you that you know because at least moving you know, at least tell you my success too you know the ultimate thing is, is is like for example here's the here's the thing i fix for the family and if you, and a lot of people don't even bother to look at the bag of whatever you're making, you know, like if it's something frozen. So tater tots, Carbolicious, I don't have them very often. I have them maybe once a week. Okay, get that. And um, if you look at the serving size on the bag, nine tater tots. That's all you. That's one serving. So. That's all I cook myself. <laughs> Everyone gets nine, and that's it. And uh, that seems to at least help, you know. So, anyway, hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Okay, well, thank you, Joel. Uh, so, I have relaxed just a little bit with the uh, carbs. So, still maintain you know mostly low carb you know like uh well today would be a great example like so this morning uh i stopped at this truck stop that has an actual restaurant percival uh percival iowa so i had uh you know like an eight ounce sirloin and then three eggs and a salad with ranch dressing. So that was the first meal this morning. And so then the problem, you know, later today, I, uh, you know, I'm at this Love's Truck Stop and there are no truck stops with restaurants. And so this Love's Truck Stop's got a Subway. Now I could have gotten a, like a Subway salad and then they had some other salads available. What I ended up getting were these uh, wraps, uh, you know, that they were they were previously prepared. Uh, you know, a lot of love truck stops will have these. So it was uh, like a chicken, bacon, ranch sort of, you know, it had some lettuce in there as well. So it's this wrap. And so there's going to be some, 
some carbs in the wrap, you know, in the because that's made out of bread, obviously, or you know, bread dough type stuff. So I did eat that. Now, what I found is that I can kind of eat stuff like that if I don't, you know, it's not every meal. And I'm kind of doing it, uh, you know, when, you know, because the only reason I did that, because if there was a restaurant here, then I would have just stuck with the low carb stuff. But since there was no restaurant, you know, I, but what I'm finding is that my weight is still staying, it's maintaining the same. It's about one. 145, 146, typically it just stays there. So, but that's, uh, you know, now while I was home, I mostly ate low-carb stuff, with the exception I did. We do have this Italian restaurant at home, so one of the one of the meals that I ate out with a friend uh, was uh, lasagna. You know, and they've, they've got this really good lasagna. The thing, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, this restaurant, you know, and so it's a sort of a homemade type stuff. And so I had that, and, and it really, you know, no big deal. Uh, so, you know, so what I'm finding is that, you know, I can eat some carbs, but now one thing I, I do really stay away from is candy, you know, and the problem is that, uh, well, I've been wa- watching this uh, YouTube channel, and this guy is an, uh, kind of a alcoholic, and he's got it kind of popped up in the feed, you know, because I watch a lot of, end up kind of watching a, a wide variety of YouTube videos, including medical type stuff, you know, people that have, and so this guy's got, you know, he's got like cirrhosis of the liver, and so he started this YouTube channel, I think, back in December. November or December of last year. It's called, the name of the channel is Liver Disease. That's the name of his channel. But anyway, he's a, he kind of, a, you know, he's an, the guy was an alcoholic. And so he had quit drinking sometime before this. But he'd gotten really sick. And he said, uh, you know, he can't work anymore. So, but he does have a wife and kids. And so he's, his wife works now and, uh, you know, and I don't know if he's on some sort of disability or not, but in any case, he's making these YouTube, he makes a YouTube video every day, and he talks about his, uh, you know, the alcoholism, and, uh, you know, now he's starting to do interviews with other people that are, you know, alcoholics, and they quit, and, you know, so they're talking quite a bit about, uh, you know, basically alcohol addiction and, you know, kind of how they, you know, and so he, but in any case, one of the common themes is that they, they say, well, you know, they're always thinking, I'm going to quit this. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to quit. Today's the day I'm going to quit drinking. And then, of course, then they just right back into it, you know, and he was saying, well, sometimes he'd, he'd quit for like three weeks and then they think, well, I'll just, hit, you know, I can just have one, you know, like if it's a beer or whatever, I can have one beer. And, you know, and then, then you know, and then before before long, it's two beers and then, you know, they're back to the, the same old thing. So that's really the problem, you know. So I am very careful, especially, you know, like with cook things like cookies 
cookies, candy, whatever. Yeah, I can probably eat one and not, ha- you know, and I'm not going to have a problem. But, you know, it's kind of, the, it's really kind of the same thing. You know, you can go right back into something like that. So it's, you know, you shouldn't, I don't want to tempt myself with uh, things. So, yeah, I can have, uh, you know, now and then I can have something like uh, pasta or something or even, you know, a few potatoes or whatever. But, you know, my, the basically, you know, what I'm doing is keeping the carbs very low, you know, otherwise keep them keep them pretty low as as low as I can without creating uh you know inconvenience and so you know I'll eat something now and then that's uh, got some extra you know that's got some extra carbs in it but uh you know the you know but cuz it it is easy it would be easy just to fall right back into the same thing that I was before you know so and I wasn't really eating dessert or candy before that but uh now i'm just you know i really do pay continue to pay attention to it and and as long as my weight stays 145 146 then uh yeah i can get away with a few extra carbs here and there and it's uh not that big of a problem but uh now, if I if I was threatened, knowing what I know, you know, after having watched all of these videos, knowing what I know, if I was threatened with type two diabetes, I would really, you know, maybe even go on a carnivore diet, just to, you know, kind of really get the thing under control. You know, but, and I don't know. Once I retire, I may, you know, I'd like to experiment with a carnivore diet, just, to, you know, maybe for a month and month or so or more or longer and see what happens you know because that would be interesting but uh just out of my own curiosity but um so anyway back to uh joel it's joel uh thought i'd uh, <coughs> send you a message because i've been thinking about something and uh you know it's kind of similar to, you know, um, just things I've been thinking about. Um, and I think, I think probably Ben Shapiro or somebody also kind of brought similar things up here. But the one thing I'm noticing here longer, I mean, I've been 10 years, uh, with uh, my current company and, uh, Ish, you know, I I started as a contractor, but they keep adding more and more things that feel like a substitution for church and normal communities outside of work. Now I'm not exactly sure why they're doing that, um, other than the fact that maybe it's because uh, so many people, especially those in millennials or, or younger generations, seem to be uh, looking for that, but they don't go to church. They don't spend time away from their jobs. Their jobs is their only thing. And I've been there. 
But life is so much more than that. One thing I'm glad I started doing many, many years ago now uh, was going to church. And tonight is probably one of my favorite nights of the week. I uh, get to go work out with my church family uh, in my small group at church. And uh, we always talk about health and fitness and, and encouraging each other to become healthier and pray for each other and talk to each other. There's many times where I'm talking about 45 minutes, all right? That's how much we work out. But there's many times where I'm there almost as long afterwards just talking to people. And I think it's something that a lot of people miss, especially those who started the issue going to uh, a place of worship, be it a church, synagogue, whatever. And I think corporate America is trying to replace that with things like employee resource groups or like uh, they just signed up. My company does, uh, we get free subscription to something called Headspace and to uh, a new thing they did Thrive Global, I think. But, um, and all these things have things on meditation and stuff like that. And that's simply prayer in uh, anyone who has faith. And, it, and it's almost being pushed upon us because I think corporate America thinks it, that they have to do that. And the reality is, is the only reason they have to do that is because uh, nobody else wants to go out and find a church and uh, go do it there and go do it with their or, or learn about their faith and study study things about God on their own. A lot less people believe in God than before. You know, and uh, all this is attempts to fill a God-sized hole in your hearts. That's my opinion anyway. But um, I bet you, I, I don't know if you'd agree, uh, but I know that, that uh, you probably would have some thoughts on it. So anyway, talk to you later. Thanks again, Joel. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's very interesting. So the, the corporation that you're working for has to be, you know, I don't know, they have to be aware to some extent you know, and, and of course you have these different, uh, there are different motivational speakers and different motivational, uh, you know, let's say concepts that these companies are, uh, you know, they're probably being exposed to, you know, where they're, you know, and they are, you know, and and it does revolve around the idea that people need something more. And so they're, you know, they're, and they're looking at it from the aspect of, you know, being able to have a better employee or, uh, or at least while the employee is employed, 
you know, kind of end up with a, uh, you know, with a happier, let's say a happier employee or, you know, someone that's, uh, you know, because someone that's a happier employee is probably going to work better. So I can see why they do that. You know, because religion is kind of on the decline. You know, to be perfectly honest, it is in, it is kind of in decline. And, you know, and there's a bunch of different reasons why. There's reasons for that, but... Uh, and certainly it has to do with the people, the way people have raised... But it is fundamentally necessary you know for uh, you know human beings you know we kind of do need each other and we need uh, You know, and, and, you know, and this is my own thought, you know, we need, you know, we really do need to think about God and, you know, kind of think deeply, you know, why am I here? Why do I exist? You know, and I, and I, I do believe that uh, conscience is this sort of the interface, God, that's God talking to us, is the way I look at it. You know, why do we have a conscience? You know what? You know, and, and that's God talking to us. So, but you know, and you've heard me say this before. You know, we have, as human beings, you know, we the world is just unbelievably complicated. There's just too many details so our brain kind of constructs models of how the world works and that's sort of based on our value system you know how, what, how we perceive the world kind of as I was talking about before uh, it if you've got if you've got the right set of values and it that really revolves around the right set of values really revolves around the relationship that you have with your conscience. <clears throat> so if you have a, a good relationship, if you're friends with your conscience, then you've got the right set of values and then you, you, you're able to kind of perceive the world in such a way that you're able to, you know, create, you know, kind of functional models of, of the world. You know, and they're not perfect. They're not perfect in every detail, but uh, you end up with these these models, and then you put faith into the models, and hopefully those those models are functional. Then you may have to, may or may not have to make adjustments to those models based on your experience.
And there's, of course, there's a difference between believing in God, you know, because people can say, well, I believe in this and I believe in that. I believe in capitalism and I believe whatever. But there's a difference between saying you believe in God and you know there's a God. Because you can say, I believe in God and then uh, be a hypocrite. But if you know something if you know there's a God and you really know it that's going to be reflected in your in your behavior so you you really have to look at people's behavior as opposed to what they say they believe in But I do agree with you that that's why, you know, uh, you know, I wasn't really aware that companies were doing this. And it's probably, a, you know, it's probably, you know, you get the right search terms. And there are probably, uh, you could probably look it up on YouTube and figure out, well, there's, you know, they've got some name for this. You know, they're probably, you know, it, like they're probably calling it employee engagement or something and to, you know, to kind of get people together and kind of having some sort of an experience together. You know, and that is very important. That is, it is extremely important to be able, you know, to have, you know, whether you go to, whether you find it in a church or wherever you find it, it's extremely important to uh, have people, friends that share, you know, kind of share similar values. They don't necessarily have to, you know, you know, they don't have to be political values, but, uh, you know, they, they certainly, you know, forget the political stuff, you know, if they share certain basic values then you sort of see this, see the world in a, in a similar way. It's not going to be perfectly the same, but you're going to see the world, you know, sort of in a similar way. And then you can, you know, you can have conversations. You can sort of, you know, really kind of connect with each other. So it's very important to find find a group of people or groups of people. To share these experiences with, because you're basically then you're you're sort of uh, to a certain extent you're sort of if you've got the right group of people you're sort of sharing your conscience with uh, you know in your perspective with them and vice versa they're sort of sharing their conscience their their experience with conscience and and uh, perspective back with you. You know, and I can't quote the the Bible verse exactly, but you know what what is it? When two or more, or however, whatever it is, are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. Well, what does that mean? Name really means nature. So if you've got a group of people 
that are sharing, you know, that have, uh, you know, sort of the nature of God, basically, or conscience, sort of, you know, in a group together, then uh, basically God is there with you. And that's very meaningful. Or it can be. So, but anyway, uh, so probably better move on here. This podcast is getting longer and longer. Uh, so now we've got Jeremy. So here is Jeremy. Hey, Tom. It's Jeremy here. Well, um, as you can probably guess, I'm on the road, which is usually how uh, it seems to line up that I listen to your podcast and get caught up and then send you a little message. So, um, once again, I'm on my uh, typical route to visit my parents. I'm driving from the East Coast, uh, Virginia area to uh, Wisconsin and the Green Bay area. So, that'll be my route this time. And, uh, I left uh, about an hour or so ago, so I've got a good 14 hours ahead of me or so. I'll probably stop and rest a couple of times, but just listening to you uh, and getting caught up, um, you know, learning about you, deciding that you're going to probably uh, hang up the old, uh, I don't know, what do truckers hang up when they uh, when they retire? But uh, getting ready to just call it quits there and start relaxing and enjoying life a little bit. Um, I hope you, uh, I hope you continue your podcast, but I'm wondering um, how you feel about having enough to talk about. I was, something I was really curious about is what does a road trip look like for you? And are you even interested at all in doing road trips? It sounds like you you go to Texas on vacation now, so you probably have sort of like I do that standard route between where you live and your where your parents live. But I'm curious if you have any desire at all to road trip around the country and uh, you know see the sights as it were. And uh, what does that look like for you? I imagine you're so used to keeping a schedule and stuff like that. I'm curious as to how you think it might work for you uh, just relaxing while you're on the road. Like, is that something you think you could do? It just really, it's fascinating to me to think about the life of someone who has done that for so long as a job and then now sort of turning the page and maybe, you know, what does relaxing look like for you? Um, when you're home for long stretches now, you sort of have that decompression time because once that's over, you're back on the road again. Um, I'm just really curious to, to hear your thoughts about how you think you might do that sort of decompression stuff in the future. And then I also wonder this, too. I like road trips by myself. Um, but I also like road trips with other people if they're the right people. And um, I'm just curious as to, like, if you have done road trips with buddies before and if you find it if you find it hard to have other people in the car with you uh, or if you more enjoy the, 
solitary life, um, and if that extends to your sort of meandering and casual travel as well. So, anyway, uh, might be weird, weird questions, but coming again from somebody who's kind of ignorant of all of it when it comes to driving truck for a living. Um, I also thought about, was thinking about other jobs that you were talking about wanting to work part-time. And to me, something seasonal would, would make a lot of sense because I feel like something like uh, driving, like uh, say like plowing snow or something like that, like driving driving a snow plow for the county or something like that would be probably a good job for somebody who's already got their their CDL locked up and um, and then maybe those guys who cut the grass on the side of the highways during the summer, I imagine those might even be the same guys. So one of those public works jobs probably paid pretty well and uh, probably have part-time hours. And I would just, I would love something like that where if I could just spend time outside, um, just kind of solitary sort of existence like that where you're just wearing your headphones, listening to music, cutting the grass, trying to shape things up and make it look nice. I also thought like maybe something like a park ranger job or uh, just like uh, somebody who takes care of the parks, uh, like cutting the grass, stuff like that. I always thought that would be awesome to have a job like that when I get older and decide to not do this weird rat race thing that I've been doing for far too long now. But anyway... I wish you well, and uh, and I hope you keep making your podcast because um, I'm definitely interested in continuing to follow whatever comes next for you. But uh, obviously, wishing you the best of luck and congratulations if you uh, if you decide to go through with it. But either way, I'll be here listening, and uh, I have some more questions and thoughts for you. But I'll try to keep these files separate, short, so that they're not marathon. Hi, Tom. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, I don't know. I I do like, uh, you know, kind of road trips. And I have had, you know, a few road trips, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, kind of other people in the car. And usually that's fine. It depends on, depends on which people. <laughs> but, uh you know, I kind of, you know, I like, you know, kind of being, you know, I do, you know, obviously I, I don't have a problem being by myself. I spend most of my time by myself. So I, you know, the trip down to South Texas and back, uh, you know, I did, en- I do enjoy that. I did enjoy it. Uh, so as far as uh, some kind of part-time job, you know, I just don't know yet. Uh, just don't know yet. Uh, I'll surely, you know, I just have to kind of have faith that I'll find, you know, the right thing will come along at the right time. But, uh, you know, the like I said before, the main thing that's kind of giving me quite a bit of pause at the moment is uh, sort of waiting to see what happens, uh, you know. How far can they kick the can, keep kicking the can down the road? You know, as far as, you know, all these trillions of dollars of debt 
we're soon going to be to the point where uh, they're you know the uh, the interest payments on the national debt are going to exceed the income that the government gets from taxes you know and that's that's getting very close now what happens after that uh, you know that remains to be seen so you know I don't know I'm just gonna at the present time I'm continuing to work and so we'll you know we'll just have to see how it goes you know because there's really no pressing urgency you know for me to, to quit knowing what I'm doing for the time being so just see what happens but uh, you know it, it is kind of a I don't know it's and and it, but otherwise I absolutely do intend to continue with the podcast because uh, I've you know I've thought about you know there 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 have been times where I was sort of tempted to uh, just end the podcast but the reason I haven't you know because at one time I was doing it like every day or almost every day if you go back a number of years I was doing it every day or almost every day and then I kind of you know backed away from that and at that point I was thinking you know I could just end this but then I I never did because I I I, you know, as I'm the one probably that has benefited the most from doing the podcast. And so that's the, a reason enough right there for me to continue with it. Because I do benefit from it. Personally, I, be, I really do benefit from doing the podcast. So, I have every intention of continuing with it uh, one way or another. You know, if I retire or whatever I do, I, I absolutely do intend to continue with it. So, but as far as when I'm going to retire, that's, that's completely up in the air. Uh, you know, and that, and like I say, that could go on forever because there's always some sort of government crisis looming. You know, as far as using that as the excuse to, you know, should I, should I uh, continue working? You know, waiting for the government to, you know, society to collapse or whatever. <laughs> you know, I could be waiting for a long time, or you know, and then if it does collapse, what does the collapse look like? You know, how, how do you cope with that? So, but, uh, so I don't know. We'll just, you know, just, I'm just going to have to wait. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just going to have to wait and see how, see what happens. Just wait and see what happens. And like I say, I, you know, I do have faith that uh, the right thing will come along at the right time. You know, whatever that ends up being. So, 
Anyway, let's move on to Jeremy's uh, second file. Hey Tom, Jeremy here again. I'm going to try a different audio method here. Hopefully this is working. Um, so uh, one of the other topics I was going to ask you about, and, and I'm not sure that you're interested in it at all. Um, so I work in EdTech, and one of the big topics of the day is artificial intelligence. And uh, it makes a lot of sense just from the aspect of there's a lot of um, concern around uh, students um, using artificial intelligence to write their assignments for them, like ChatGPT and stuff like that, writing their assignments for them and their papers and, um, you know, kind of using ChatGPT just kind of gobbles up everything that it, that it reads and tries to cobble it all into like one giant ball of wax and quote it back. But it's not very good at telling the truth in some cases. So there's already been cases where um, lawyers have gotten in trouble for filing paperwork, citing cases that aren't even real, and just not even caring enough to pay attention and actually check the facts. Um, this has happened already a couple of times where they've gotten held in contempt by a judge for uh, not paying attention and actually citing completely fictional courses as, uh, court, court cases as precedent. And um, obviously that's a problem in, in law. And it's a problem with these artificial intelligence, um, the large language models that are basically just trying to interpret all this content that they crunch through. So, um, I, being in my role, I'm really tired of hearing about AI, but then every once in a while something comes along that's interested, tr interesting to me. And one of the things that I think is, is really worth keeping an eye on is how it, how, not just the chat bots and all that stuff, like that's, that's tired. I mean, asking questions and getting answers back one of the ways that we've integrated into some of the products that we have now is just kind of helping to generate homework questions. And so, so, so the AI will scan the material and recommend questions to ask at the end of class or in the middle of class or something like that. And then there's, there's um, like a tutor or something like you could, as a student, if you're having trouble with homework, you can ask the chatbot for help and it will try to explain stuff to you without really telling you the answer, which is, if, if it works, you know, it could be very clever, but it's very tricky. You know, if you think about, if you, if you think about how this logically plays out, one of the obvious outcomes is that once large language, large language models become good enough and they're isolated to the content, say, that the company I work for generates, if, if uh, my company creates textbooks, for example, and we own that content, and we have our own uh, GPT that can troll that content and extract information from it and learn from it, we could at least say, okay, well, this was written by somebody um, so it's, it's trustworthy, you know, it's our content. So just kind of read through it, parse it, and then come up with some questions. Well, right now we have an entire staff of editorial people who do that, you know, as part of the digital offerings of our course courses, 
they create that stuff. And so they're clearly very worried that they're going to be replaced by artificial intelligence generating the material. So you may have an author who creates a book and you might have a digital course based on that book, but eventually there's not going to be a need for editors to build out the content that represents homework questions and test questions and other types of assessments, ways to tell that students are learning the material. But here's the other part of that. Learning the material is the tricky part because if on the other side of that, you have a student who's leveraging artificial intelligence to answer the questions for them, then it's kind of an arms race at that point. You have the instructors and authors and you know people creating. Uh, you have the teachers and instructors, uh, teachers, instructors, authors on one side, trying to come up with ways to measure students' progress. And then on the other side, you have students kind of racing to find new ways to skirt the system and submit answers that will simulate learning, all the while not realizing that they're hurting themselves by not actually absorbing the material. I think that part of it is kind of a tale as old as time, right? It's some students who want to learn are going to learn. Uh, students who want to cheat are going to, are going to cheat. I think the trick is trying to figure out what the balance is to where you can invite those who are still eager to learn and are still motivated by the desire to absorb knowledge and understand things. And frankly, like subdivide them from the other students. And there's two things happening there. One is, and you see this happening in public school systems pretty commonly, is that they have these sort of gifted tracks where they have people who are either in, they call them like advanced or honors or uh, AP classes, where it's basically just students who are high achieving class, uh, high achieving students who are already scoring high marks. And they're sort of carved out and separated from the rest of the class. And they're put, the other students are put in the sort of quote unquote regular sections of that same course material. And I think it's just kind of understood that those students are just kind of screw ups and they're just going to do whatever they do and that they're never going to care about their grades. So let's just kind of treat them a bit differently. And you can imagine the difference in the environment there where if you're relegated to that class because maybe you didn't have good grades going into it, it's unlikely that you're going to sort of climb past all the bedlam and you know all the people who are just there kind of marking time in their um, high school age daycare program and free lunch program, whatever. Like you're just there to pass the time so you can go home and play Xbox. So that's a whole different breed of, um, of student. We'll still call them learners um, because I do think that some of those people can be reached potentially. And here's where I think it gets interesting because I see artificial intelligence as possibly the, the way to kind of get past the lazy instructors. And you can imagine, I don't want to call out all, all teachers, but I, already, I know that you already kind of have a problem with public education as it exists anyway. But imagine this idea of, I, like I think there's no better way to bust a, uh, a teacher's union 
than to have artificial intelligence come along and just sort of act as the moderator for learning and, and a personalized learning methodology that really doesn't require the teacher to be anything other than a glorified teacher's assistant or you know um, a class class monitor slash hall monitor um because if students are already learning and they are uh in a digital platform for the most part um i have a kid who's in high school who hasn't had textbooks for years all the learning is all the reading is done on computers all this all the assignments are submitted on, on computers with the exceptions being things like biology labs and chemistry labs and things like that but for the most part like everything's being done on their laptops and that's just the way of things now for better or worse by the way i think it's going to be worse you know when you're not when you're not reading books and you're just staring at the screen all day clearly there's probably going to be some health ramifications of that um but so so that was uh that that's this is this is the like i said it's kind of the arms race and if you think about the way that this has to be addressed in I just think that there's there's going to be a point in time in which you can't you have to say the traditional way of learning just isn't isn't going to be sustainable and I actually think this is a good thing and this is what kind of makes me happy to be in edtech during this time because I think it's going to be a pretty important sea change in busting up this monopoly that you know these ridiculously overpriced universities have um this 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 monopoly has gone on for far too long and this just notion that we have to push everybody toward university is just it's just ridiculous and the idea that kids should go directly from high school to college is also stupid um the, this whole thing has to be busted up and the and one of the problems i see with being in the industry in, in an industry that it literally makes makes their uh what do you want to call it like our our, our money comes from higher learning continuing to exist like if, if school if colleges didn't exist tomorrow the company i work for would no longer exist either because they're they're the key customer for the content that we produce so it's kind of hard to have to say that we would have a unbiased or how should i say it like that we would have a stake in changing the way things are or any motivation to change the way things are because we're essentially talking about putting ourselves out of business if we change the way things are so we have to carefully consider what is, how does this play out especially with, with ai as a factor and if we continue to say push kids toward college but it becomes unsustainable and unaffordable you know it's just going to be a few people that are going to be able to go anyway because there's only going to be a few people left that can afford it so eventually this, something's got to give something something's going to break something's got to give and i kind of want to be there when it all explodes because i think what's going to happen is you're going to have to see people as these lifelong learners who need yes they need a platform that, that brings in content to help them learn but you're not going to be able to fall back on this uh is it a b c or d uh, because any 
any student worth their salt is going to have tools that just, you know, they can snap photos and test them out and, and artificial intelligence can tell them all the answers. I mean, this is, this is how, how it works. So you're going to have to come up with new ways of assessing whether or not people understand content that goes beyond this traditional true or false and you know, multiple choice paradigm. So anyway, that's kind of where my head is at lately and trying to, trying to bust through that and see like, what does the future look like in, in a world where you cannot have traditional assessments anymore? And how would you go about assessing someone's progress? And it starts with the desire to learn, like you got to narrow in on that. And frankly, like carving out the ones who don't desire to learn, but also like we shouldn't throw those people away. There's a whole realm of society that no longer considers honest work attractive. Um, they've been told their whole lives the lie that you know going to college is the most important thing, that you won't get a good job without a college education, and they're taught to look down on um, people who do good, honest work like plumbers and electricians and whatever. So, you know, that all sort of has to shift, and I think it's going to shift anyway. But the only jobs that AI can't replace are going to be those types of jobs anyway. So those are going to become the high paying jobs, I believe. And, you know, jobs like what I do are going to become more sort of like, you know, pe people who are replaced by AI because it doesn't require a lot of thought to, um, to do what I do. It's just, uh, you know, when you're designing software, eventually the software is going to be able to design itself. So it's not, it's not like I'm doing rocket science here. So anyway, just curious to get your thoughts on that. And again, you know, no hard feelings. If uh, you're tired of hearing about AI, don't want to talk about it anyway, but I have much more to say on the topic, but I'll go ahead and leave it there and see if you have anything to say before I continue the conversation. All right, Tom, hope you're safe out there. Hope you're enjoying life and uh, glad to hear you're getting ready to maybe do some, some more relaxing. All right, talk to you soon. Okay, well, thanks again, Jeremy. Uh, so I put, there was two, Jeremy got interrupted, and so I put the two files together. So that's uh, all three of Jeremy's files now. So AI, uh, I've played with it. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm well aware that it can... Uh, lie essentially or your so-called hallucinate uh, <laughs> so it's you know it's useful to know how it works and so basically it's predicting the next word you know what's the next word and so that's that's how it works it's not it may you know you can get an AI generated response and it may seem coherent you know, and it's using all the right grammar and everything, but uh, you know, and, and oftentimes it it can be accurate. But uh, the problem is that it's uh, not always accurate. Then the other thing is that it can't, you know, it can't really come up with something new necessarily now to a certain extent it can depends on how you look at it if you tell it uh, let's say let's say you're generating an image and you say you want a picture of an ant 
that's uh, in a top hat dancing and it's got to be a realistic looking ant and what have you chances are if you get your prompt uh, worded correctly you're gonna you're gonna end up with an image of an ant that's uh, in a you know wearing a top hat that looks fairly realistic that's dancing you know and that's something that has never existed but it's taking two different things and it's sort of uh, predicting what it would look like but it's based on all sorts of images of ants and in different uh, configurations and it's able to identify what an ant is and it's able to, you know so it's able to you know and maybe you could specify the type of ant uh, in your prompt and you know and it has seen all kinds of images of top hats and so and it's seen all kinds of images of uh, dancing so it's kind of putting these things together Now you could tell it to write a story, you know, that's got certain basic elements in it, and uh, you know, and it can kind of generate something that could end up being interesting, potentially, depending on again on the prompt. But the problem is, it can't. It's relying on. the material that it has uh, consumed. Whether it's an image or if it's written text. Or if it's uh, in the case of, you know, that you're telling it you want, to, you want it to program, then it's generating that based on existing programs. You know, in the case of software. So what's, you know, I don't know. It's uh, There are probably certain types of jobs that will end up kind of being eliminated. You know, now you know, or vastly reduced. You know, so it just, you know, so in the case where you're talking about your job, you're creating this content, this digital content for, uh, I guess, college consumption. You're wondering how long can that last? How long can that go on? Now, I don't know if you're you're probably familiar with Jordan Peterson. Uh, Jordan Peterson and his daughter and his son and maybe some other people have are in the process, and I think they've it may be uh, online right now is creating essentially an online their goal is to kind of create an online university but 
from what I understand, and I haven't really looked at it myself, but from what I understand, uh, they intend to make it very rigorous. And so people that uh, are that are going to engage in that probably really want to engage in it. You know, but then, you know, the, and then you're talking about the problem, well, students are going to use a, or they probably already are using chat GPT or whatever to write their term papers. Well, they're only, you know, they're just only, they're only hurting themselves. You know, you can get AI to, you know, kind of write a paragraph or a story or, you know, and I've played with it myself. You know, write a description of uh, whatever, and I've I've played with that to a certain extent. I played with it, and it you know, and it and it does sort of uh, you do run into the hallucination problem, where it simply makes things up. But again, it's working. It's it's not aware. There's no consciousness. That's the other thing. People think, oh, the machine's going to become conscious. No, it's not. That's not the way consciousness works. The machine can't become conscious. The program, the AI program, is simply predicting the next word based on the material that has been trained on. You know, so it can't, therefore it can't really come up with something new other than unless, you know, unless it just, you know, completely hallucinates something and then that's not, you know, it's not reality, it's not true. You know, so, and I don't know, you know, they're working on this problem of the hallucination and how they might eliminate it. You know, but it, AI probably is going to eliminate certain uh, drudgery type jobs. You know, for example, you know, let, let's say like a copy editor, you know, that goes through, that has to, you know, has the task of kind of going through written material and, and correcting gram, grammatical errors or uh, that type of thing. You know, there's probably no reason why the the an artificial intelligence limited or large language model, there's probably no reason why that it can't just uh, be fed the material chapter by chapter and, and make, you know, or at least flag and or make corrections. Or it could certainly flag grammatical and punctuation errors, for example.
But as long as the the hallucination problem exists, you know, let's say that you're using artificial intelligence to write your, uh, you know, some new copy about some, you know, and what I don't know what your material, your the digital material is that you're producing for the colleges, but uh, let's, you know, there's always probably new things that are, let's say it's science related or something. There are new things that are happening, you know, new, uh, you know, new procedures or new new things, new discoveries or whatever. The AI could write the new material, but you're always going to have to have people come back and check it, make sure that it's accurate. Or at least hopefully you would. You know, okay, let's say you're writing digital textbooks. And I'm sure there, there are probably teachers that are well aware of the AI and that the students are probably writing, using the chat GPT to write their term papers or whatever. So they're, you know, what they could do as a teacher, you could just kind of, you know, get rid of all, you know, just uh, sort of isolate them in the room and, you know, check and see, you know, just go through the material and see if they actually know it or not. But, uh, you know, there are companies right now that have dropped college requirements, college degree requirements, because they realize that it's just kind of a waste and then you've got all these this you know the tremendous uh, student loan debt you know people are you know and I think you know now nowadays a lot of people are aware that uh, if they have these you know huge sto student loans you know that they're they're going to be paying on them for the rest of their lives well what good is that why would you do that doesn't make any sense. You know, so, but I do think that certain, there are certain jobs that will obviously are going to go away and they are going away right now. Especially jobs that have to do with writing. You know, they're probably jobs that are already are going away. Because, you know, essentially, you know, you, technology increases people's productivity. So that's, that's really the way you have to look at it. Uh, it increases productivity. So as the AI improve, continues to improve, it's going to increase certain people's productivity that are able to really utilize it. So let's say you've got a maybe like a book publishing company instead of having you know all these different people that are you know doing whatever jobs involved in the book publishing. That have to do with the you know copy editors and all that uh, 
you know there you know some there's still going to be people doing that but those people are probably going to end up being much more productive than they have been in the past you know kind of you know you go back to the example I've given before where you know back in you know hundred let's say 150 years ago people were moving things around and horses and buggies you know and that's how commerce happened you know nowadays uh, you know I can uh, and it's been true for many years I can uh, haul 40,000 pounds of or more of stuff around uh, you don't take it you know hundreds of miles cross country kind of enabling uh, a level of commerce to take place that uh, was unthinkable back then. So technology, as it progresses, it always ends up making people more productive, at least potentially. And usually, you know, it's always been the case where technology does produce more, you know, different types of jobs. But it, the problem, you know, and the students you're describing, you know, they're lazy or whatever, you know, and they're told, oh, you have to go to college and get the college degree or, you know, to get the better job or whatever and to look down their nose at people that work with their hands, let's say as in the case like of plumbers or carpenters or whatever. You know, that's really a, a, a societal problem. That's really a, you know, kind of a dysfunctional family sort of a problem. It's really kind of a moral problem. You, you know, as I've said many times, you know, if you could plot morals, if you found uh, the proper metrics, you could uh, plot morals as, you know, as, you know, kind of going back in time, you know, the morals would kind of go up and down like a sine wave. And it appears to me that right now, Societally speaking, our morals are kind of on the way, have been on, they're on the way down, and they've kind of been on the way down for some period of time. And, you know, what can make those go back up is suffering. You know, that is one of the, that is one of the, uh, Benefits. I don't know if that's the right word, uh, but it is. It can be one, or maybe outcomes is a better word. When people suffer, some people just, you know, they're they'll just happy to kind of die in the gutter, either you know, and it could be a literal or a figurative gutter. And some people, it causes they hit the rock bottom, and it causes them to kind of, you know, change. You know, they sort of, you know, there's another term for it. It's sort of like a come-to-Jesus moment. And that can cause the, 
you know, the come to Jesus kind of moments can cause people to sort of uh, change their ways, potentially. But there probably is an inevitable clash, but people are very good at kicking the can down the road. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's a it's an ongoing question. How far can people kick the can down the road? How how you know? And now the other problem with the college, uh, you know, the colleges, is how many you know uh, you know how many young people are there? You know, the young the the the, the amount of young people's on the way down. You know, and, and uh, you know, so how many how many young people are there going to be? You know, and that's you can easily figure that out. You know, and twenty years from now, you can say how many twenty-year-olds will there be? We just how many births are there right now? So twenty years ago, or twenty years from now, you can you can actually look and see. Right now, you can easily predict how many 20-year-olds there'll be, etc., etc. You know, pick an age, and you can you can you can figure it out, and it's probably on the way down, depending on the area because of the lack of births. So colleges probably will end up kind of, uh, many of them will end up kind of collapsing due to lack, just to sheer lack of students, if nothing else. You know, pe people cope, you know, so I don't know. You know, it's it's really hard to say. Or, you know, will we have an outright collapse? Probably not. Think things are always in the process of uh, collapsing. People adapt. So I've said many times, you just go to an inner inner city and you can see the collapse. It's already the collapse is always happening. You go to, you know, and it's happening right now in a lot of big cities. It's not just inner city Detroit. Now go out to Los Angeles. Go to Southern California. Go to New York City. You know, go to a lot of uh, major cities, and you know, and you'll see the collapse. Or, you know, in certain areas, you see the collapse right there. You know, and then you, you can kind of, how far will that spread? You know, will it spread to every area? Probably not. So, but the, I don't know, the artificial intelligence is very interesting, and I, yeah, I have played with it, and uh, probably will continue to play with it. Like I say, it is it is uh, replacing certain jobs already, and as it 
continues to get better, uh, that's probably going to, that's obviously going to continue. So, anyway, better be cutting this off. This is getting very long, so you're going to have probably a two-hour long podcast. <laughs> so, anyhow, hope everyone uh, is having a great week, and I will catch you later. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com. <laughs>